This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, the business station. This is Cruise Control, the car show here on BFM. My name is Rich Bradbury. As per usual, I'm joined on the phone lines by Arif Roos, who's uh, the man with the news. Say hello, Arif. Hello, everybody. Hello, Richard. Hello, Daniel Fernandez. And Daniel Fernandez from DSF.my. Hello, Daniel. Hello, Richard. Hello, Arif. Hello, listeners. And I just want to know this. If Arif is the man with the news, I am the man with what? The website. <laughs> man with the wisdom. <laughs> That's a good one, yes. With the wisdom. Uh, today's show, in three parts, we'll be giving you some news, some car launches, and then a used car review at the end of the show. As usual, Arif, kick us off. So, actually, um, good thing you mentioned that, Daniel, because actually this week's news is mostly from you. Really? The first story that you gave us was about Great Wall Motors, the Chinese uh, car maker, and how they, they bought over and upgrade a former General Motors plant operating in Thailand when they exited back in 2018. Um, so this comes after lots of reports of Chinese car makers planning huge EU breakthroughs through Norway and all the electric vehicle friendly countries. But most importantly, they've been also trying to expand into ASEAN markets, as mentioned with Great Wall Motors and obviously Geely, who owns Proton. <laughs> And they also export to Philippines as well. So it's growing, isn't it, Daniel? Yes. And, you know, this is a very good move by Great Wall because they probably were sitting somewhere in, 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 you know, in one of their corporate offices in China and looking at what Geely is doing with Proton and moving into ASEAN markets, also moving to Pakistan and Bangladesh and India. And they said, hey, 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 we have to get into this game. So... General Motors, one of the biggest car companies in the world, had to exit Thailand. They had a huge factory. I've actually personally been to that factory more than 10 years ago. Beautiful factory, doing a lot of work in Thailand, but their cars were just starting to go downhill model after model, whether it was passenger car, compact car, pickup truck, SUV. And what happened? They had to leave. So, nice factory, big market, a lot of possibilities. Great Wall now takes over this factory, upgrades it, and guess what? They're going to give ASEAN brand new Great Wall products. And it starts with their EVs. Oh. They have this um, EV called the Rao One, right? Yes. And it kind of looks like a carbon copy of the Honda E. <laughs> it does. It's very cute, isn't it? Yeah, but a lot of people are going to you know, comment about how it looks almost exactly the same as the Honda. Doesn't matter because you know why Honda has not sued them for design uh, infringement. But can you imagine if they make it in Thailand, they get the after advantages, the low tax entry yeah. point. These cars will come in and start giving Proton and Perdua a run for their money. Just a little bit about Great Wall Moto. Um, we all know the brand Haval, right? Yes. They make those tiny little orange small SUV things. Right. Great Wall Moto owns Haval. They also have an EV brand called Aura, O-R-A, and two new luxury brands called Way and Tank. Mm. Quite <laughs> weird names. But uh, I guess one interesting thing that you pointed out uh, in the article was that Haval is also producing Kuda. So, you know, is there going to be any problems with that? Well, I think if the factory starts operating 
at full capacity in in uh, Rayong in Thailand, I think Kedah will just become a distribution center because there will be no tax to bring these cars in. It's a good pit stop on the way. It is Kedah, a very good it? pit stop. Another interesting thing that I found out when doing research about Great Wall Motor is that they did appear in Dakar Rally, mm. which I guess when they wanted to show themselves as a sign of strength in the local markets that they are in. Um, you know, they actually have a lot of factories all over the world. They sell 1.1 million cars a year, which is so many. And uh, their factories are in Bulgaria, India, Iran, Russia, and now Thailand. So they've already spread their wings before they've even come to this region. In fact, I, well, actually, I remember a, a couple of years ago seeing them here in uh, KL. Not in a showroom. They were actually in a uh, like a supermarket. <laughs> not, not available on the shelves, uh, but they were parked in the kind of foyer as they were trying to move into this market back then. You are very right, Richard. They did a lot of promotion in a lot yeah. of supermarkets. And it was like a, an SUV type thing. Yes. Uh, and it didn't look too bad. And I, I believe one of my neighbors in the place that I used, I think it was the Haval, I think it was called. Yeah. yeah. Not too long ago, one of my previous neighbors used to own one of these. And it, and it didn't look too bad at all. It was pretty cute, wasn't it? Yeah. But I'm, I'm surprised, you know, you know, because you live in an upmarket area, Richard. And, you know, upmarket people don't normally buy made in China cars. But <laughs> you see, this was when I was living in your neighborhood. Oh, I see. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I was in PJ at the time. Anyway, with that, I think we should move on to our next topic. All right, let's move on then. Uh, it's an interesting car called the Geely Vision Starburst. And it's a new, basically a new design concept where they expand on their old philosophy called expanding cosmos. And it's the whole design language was basically epitomized inside the Geely grill where, you know, you have multiple rings around this single Geely logo. Mm. Yes, you're right. This whole thing was designed by Peter Horbury, who was a former Ford and Volvo, and Guy Burgoyne. And um, <laughs> as I was searching him up to see what he had come up with, Geely Philippines, in their copy on their website, described him as a man shrouded in mystery. Mm. British by birth, Swedish by career, Australian by accent. A product of the global automotive mm. industry. What on earth? So they want to make him sound like he's something out of Daft Punk by the yeah. sounds of it. <laughs> yeah, or Pitbull, you know, Mr. Worldwide. Uh, true, um, true. <laughs> but anyway, Vision Starburst, there's quite a lot of things going on in this car, right, Daniel? A lot of things. And, you know, if you look closely at the car, a lot of people will say, oh, this looks like something that is never going to hit the showroom floor. But I tell you something, looking at the modern EVs that are coming out of China, this is production ready. Oh, you think so? You guys remember the Kia EV6? Mm. It's very angular and lots of LED lights across weird panels, uh, much like this one. So I guess you're saying if you know if that can make it to production, surely this can too. I think it will. I think it definitely will. Apparently, this car will be an electrified car, probably built on Geely's new platform. We'll have sensors everywhere. And then inside, they say all of the screens are borderless to kind of unify the interior. So as you sit in it, all of these small LEDs, you know, surround you in the car and you can't really distinguish what is a speedometer and what is not. That's very useful. Very interesting, <laughs> right? <laughs> How fast am I going? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you have the numbers, but now that you mention it, it might be a safety issue. But um, the, I guess one of the pressing points for about this car is that it still has a steering wheel. So, so much for the autonomous future. One of the most interesting things is that these, this car has many, many ambient light strips. 
inside and outside the car. And these light strips will change color depending on the state of the vehicle inside and outside. So if you've got the car plugged in, maybe the car will turn blue. If, if it's parking, it'll turn green or something like that. Or if it's in motion, it'll turn red or orange. GD says this is more than a gimmick. It conveys information to people walking around outside. Sometimes you can't tell whether a car is off or on at the side of the road and you're kind of scared to walk past or through it. So this might be an idea. Yes. And you know, the thing is, at one point you said there's a, it's not going to be autonomous because there's a steering wheel inside, right? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So that means if it was a concept car, it probably would not have a steering wheel. Good point. Ah, so the fact that it's got a steering wheel, that means this car is already almost ready to go into production. And next week, myself together with some other media have been invited to speak to someone from Geely Online. And his name is Mr. Kent Boviland, and he is in charge of electrification and someone who's been involved in the production of this car. So in the following show, I might have some more interesting information for you guys. I'm interested looking at the uh, the pictures that we've got. Um, it very much looks like a render, right? Rather than it actually be a physical vehicle. Could be, could be, could be. Yes, you're I mean, right. Uh, it just looks almost too perfectly proportioned and, and too perfectly done if you particularly if you look at like what looks like some kind of weird joystick gear shifter thing yeah so you're um, saying it looks more like a like a drawing i think it's a computer render rather than an actual thing yeah right 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 anyway I, we'll, have to, we'll, we'll wait yeah. next week when, uh, when i have a chat with this guy yeah but what do you guys think about the looks you know that whole front end i, I actually i kind of like it right it's yeah different it's striking it's futuristic very much so it feels like uh, everything you click inside the car will have a beep, beep, boop sound, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> beep, beep, boop. <laughs> yeah. You know, like uh, something like from Night Rider. The wheels look uh, interesting, for sure. They look really hard to clean. They, they do look really <laughs> hard to clean, yes. That's something that's probably going to change uh, yeah, yeah. when it comes out of concept. It looks kind of mean, though. I, I like the way, yeah, it looks kind of sharkish almost. Oh, and here's the other thing, right? The, 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 you know, the rear end of the car is quite, it reminds me of the Volvo V40. Yeah, I was just going to say that, yeah. Right? Yes, 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 you're right. Well, looking at the pictures closely now, I, I, could, I can understand you saying it looks like a render, but to me, the interior definitely looks like a render, but the exterior, I think it's an actual vehicle. Okay, let's uh, think on that for when you go to meet, what, what was his name? Kent Ovi Bovilan. Right. Let's put a nasty lamak on that. Then you think it's real, I think it's not. Okay, good. And then we'll have something to talk about next week. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we'll have some car launches for you. I believe we've got the BMW i4, the Kia Sportage, some compact trucks, and a Ferrari. Don't go anywhere. This is Cruise Control here on BFM 89.9. <laughs> Because freedom matters. BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, the business station. Welcome back to Cruise Control. I'm Rich Bradbury. On the phone line, as usual, is Daniel Fernandez from DSF.my. Hello, everybody, and good evening. And Arif Ruse, he's that man with the news. Arif, what car launches have we got this week? Ah, uh, you'll be very surprised to know that first thing I'm going to talk about is a BMW. Oh my <laughs> word, is it last week already? 
Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, as mentioned last week, the BMW i4 had been launched just before the show came on. So we decided to push it to this week. And after so many months of teasing this car as a concept, as, as a production-ready concept, and now as a real car, it's finally on sale in November. So first things first, can I get your thoughts on the looks? Okay. Um, I actually like it because it looks like a normal car. <laughs> yeah. You know? <laughs> I mean, it doesn't look space age. It doesn't look like it came out of, you know, some concept uh, rendering. You know, it looks like something that, that is currently in the BMW showroom. It's got the new front grille. It's got that, that nice rear end. Of course, underneath, it's all electric. It's all modern. So I like it. I actually think it will sell very well. I like it too. To echo what Daniel's just said, it, it looks like a real car. Yeah. I think that's the best part of it, right? Uh, because <laughs> yeah. we've seen like Porsche Taycan and the new Audi e-tron and they just kind of look like things from a, a different age, basically. Mm. And I think we're all quite comfortable with the new grill these days. <laughs> yeah, it grows on you. It grows on you. Uh, anyway, this i4, I think, actually debuts as the 4 Series Grand Coupe body style. So... My guess is that the previous 4 Series Grand Coupe didn't sell that well, so BMW is trying to change that game a little bit. Because it's such a niche product, why not make it all electric and sell it as its own car? Mm. Um, Having said that, the regular 4 Series Grand Coupe will come eventually, and you might notice that despite having batteries inside the bottom of this car's chassis, it still maintains the very low-slung coupe roofline. It's still very sporty. It's got their little kink on the back as well to aid aerodynamics. This is all due to the shallower battery cells to keep the roofline and driving position low. So typical BMW stuff, basically. And uh, all the technology that's inside the car comes from previous BMW iCars, the i3, i8, the Formula E. And it should make for quite a very interesting car because, you know, BMW i has been around for quite some time and... They must have had some sort of experiences, you know, in selling the i3 and the i8. So maybe we won't see interior body panels made out of recycled plastics and all that stuff. Mm. Uh, But anyway, they launched with two variants. With the right charger, apparently in 10 minutes of charging, you can get 164 kilometers. You'll never likely be stranded anywhere. It's quite a lot, isn't it? That's very good. The base model, I guess, is the i4 E-Drive 40, a stupid name. Um, people are going to just look at it as the i4 40, which can be confusing if you ring up BMW and you tell them, I've got a 440i, not an i4 40. <laughs> <laughs> it's, got a bit, it's got about the same power as the 440i, 340 horsepower, 510 kilometers of range, and it's only rear-wheel drive. The more interesting car is the i4 M50, which is the first all-electric BMW M performance model. 544 horsepower, all-wheel drive, 3.9 second sprint. It's not groundbreaking like some of the other brands claim to be, but it's very, very freaking quick. Mm. And uh, some other notes, some interesting things that you can option this car with, uh, one of which is, remember a while ago I showed you guys the Hans Zimmer produced car sounds? Yes. Guess what they've called it? They've called it the BMW Iconic Sounds Electric, and you can option that. Apparently, it costs two thousand five hundred US dollars. I can see everyone buying it <laughs> to, to put an MP3 in your car. Exactly, two thousand dollars. Yeah. Wow. I, I got a question for Richard. Okay, because this is along Richard's uh, expertise. They say here with the right charger. You can do a 10-minute charge to get 164 kilometers. Correct me if I'm wrong. If you use mm-hmm. this kind of chargers over and over and over, you actually reduce the battery life? Correct. Mm. That's correct. 
Fast charging will, over time, um, you know, make your battery less efficient, yes. Right. Quicker than a normal charger. Right. Because one is like fast charge and one is trickle charge. Yes. So if they give you an eight-year warranty or maybe a 10-year warranty, if you're going to use this and you're going to probably use it almost nearly every other day, you're mm. going to half that, right? I don't know about how, how much it, w- it would reduce it, but I'd imagine over time it would be a significant amount, yeah. Okay, so something to yeah. just think about. Mm. They do say that battery degradation sort of like plateaus when, once it reaches about 80%, right, of its capacity or something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. So car companies will probably come up with something like battery swapping in the future or trading up your battery s- systems. But, I mean, it, it will be in a small print, uh, you know, stuff like, you know, it, it will be considered wear and tear, I guess. Yes, yes. It'll be it'll yeah. be very small print, like what's now happening with all the plug-in hybrids. Mm, mm. Yeah. But anyway, to conclude, we do love the way this car looks, right? Yes. Oh, yes, yes. Um, speaking of the way this BMW looks, we are going to take a look at the first Kia to be drawn by former BMW designer Karim Habib and is the Kia Sportage. Any thoughts? Richard, I want your opinion on the looks of this car. First impressions, I like it. I like the kind of uh, razor lights on it. Mm. I, I think that's what they're called. They, they look kind of nice. I like the grill and I like the fact that it's got a, a, a black roof as well. Kind of gives it that a floating image to it. It's uh, It's got a bit of a, I don't know, an American touch to it, I think. It feels, you know, like an American-styled vehicle, even though I know it's not. Um, do, do you know what I mean by that? It's yes. kind of big and brash, and but with those little kind of nice little nuances on the lights. Right. You know, when I first saw it, I... Just like you, I, I, I was drawn to the looks. And then I said to myself, this looks exactly like a, a new Sorento, not a sports car. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. you mention it. Yeah. You know, it does. With the big wheels, with the long body, with the, with the flattened greenhouse effect. Yeah. It looks like a bigger Sorento. So I like it. I, I think this will sell really well if it arrives in Malaysia. The thing is, this car is based on the same platform as the Hyundai Tucson's. And both of them are, you know, sibling cars, sister sister cars. And the Hyundai Tucson was launched maybe about a month ago, and it went on sale. And I don't know, it, it, the Tucson looks smaller. Uh, it looks slightly classier, I guess. More family-friendly, I'd say. Yeah. In terms of looks, anyway. Yeah, But the Tucson doesn't do anything for me. Mm. If I had a Tucson, I, I'd take I the agree. Sportage, yeah. Yeah, me too. Not even the front cascading grill, grill nah, with nah, nah. inside it? Nah. I would have thought you guys would have preferred that. That's because we're older, right? And, you know, the thing is, they say Kia is the younger brand, whereas the Hyundai is the for the older people. And mm. from this market research in this show, it's clearly opposite. Wait, wait, are you calling us old, like, no, subtly? For, is that what for, you were doing? Don't, don't get upset, Richard, because for, for Ari... <laughs> but that's any, what he was doing, Daniel. Any, anybody <laughs> above 30 is older, you know? <laughs> yeah, pretty much, you know? Oh, how do you see how we tried to sneak that through? <laughs> <laughs> but I, I have one question, guys. I have one question. Yeah. Okay. This car was designed by Karim Habib, former BMW designer, right? Yeah. Mm. So question now is has Kia got more money to pay Karim over BMW? Hmm. Or are I they mean, giving are they giving him a little, little bit more space, you know, with his creative freedom? Perhaps? But he did he did the seven series, you know? Uh, I, true. I, I think it has to do with a bit of creative freedom. Or maybe they had a squabble in the office over the new BMW grill. Maybe, because right before Karim left, I was reading reports that apparently Adrian Van Hoedonk was going to leave. Mm. <laughs> and it turned out he stayed. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, gossips aside, um, 
Hyundai revealed something two months ago, even before the Tucson launch, called the Santa Cruz. Now, this I like. Yeah. Um, it's essentially a compact truck. Yes. And it's not a new segment, is it? If you lived in Malaysia as long as I, I have, <laughs> you'll remember the good old days when we had little small pickup trucks, not four-wheel drive, two-wheel drive. Mazda had it, Datsun had it. So even Toyota had it, but it wasn't very popular. But you you see some of them still running around, and basically mm. they were used by the aircon guy, the plumber. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The flow yeah. comes and does your gardening. You know, yeah. It was before the four by four pickup truck surfaced. You know, yeah. They seem to do very well in Australia as well. Yes, you're right. And these were mainly, you know, a single cab. Very seldom you find a double cab. Mostly single cab, with a very high rear end, so they can carry a lot of barang and. These were so popular, but they slowly died away because why? Everyone, everybody wanted bigger, beefier, taller trucks, mm. which cost much more money to own and operate, but they look very nice, you know? Mm. Mm. So now Hyundai said, hey, let me bring back this, but with a double cap. And what it is essentially is a pickup truck built out of the Hyundai Tucson's crossover platform. Makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. And and because the Tucson has grown grown so big, you can actually do that and actually have rear seat passenger space as well as a short bed. Yes. So quite an interesting car. As as mentioned, because it's based on the Tucson, it inherits the front end. It inherits uh, the same 2.5-liter four-cylinder. You get a turbo or, or a non-turbo. Apparently, it can tow stuff up to 2.2 tons. And remember, this is the size of a Hyundai Tucson. It's a small pickup truck. So, Ari, before you continue, do you think Hyundai has started a trend? No, because... <laughs> I no. think they have. I mean, they start they restarted the trend. I don't think they've started okay, the trend. Okay, sorry, wrong words. Do you think they've restarted the trend which others will follow? Yeah. Okay, tell us why. Uh, because the smallest trucks have become big. There was a time when the Ford Ranger was quite small, but now it's officially known to Ford in the US as a mid-sized truck. So mm. before the Ford Ranger was the Ford Courier. Was it? Yes, and that was a mid-sized 4x4 truck. And I guess some part of me believes that generally people love utes which yes, is like, yes. you know, very, very cool. The Proton Arena sort of thing. Right. And come to think of it, the Proton Arena, you know, it's essentially what what the Hyundai Santa Cruz is, right? Come on, don't insult Hyundai. <laughs> Wait, okay, I, 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 I'm now having to Google for a Proton Arena because yes. I've never, oh my word, what is that? Exactly, oh my word. Those things were uh, apparently favored by a lot of Australian people in the outback and they wanted something disposable disposable it was, okay. it was disposable but actually it was actually a very useful vehicle yeah. for its time but it just hey it came with you can get a an option for a cab on the back as well that's interesting yeah, yeah. Yeah. when i had a dream of starting my own like uh, car mechanics workshop the proton arena was going to be my work truck oh really yeah oh, you were, you were planning to not be very successful no, from the start. <laughs> Clearly, because I, you know, I spent too much money on a BMW, right? Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> how, have, how have I not seen one of these on the road anywhere? Is it because they're all being disposed over in Australia? No, no, there's, there's quite a few in town. Actually, if you go, I will tell you this, if you go to Selayang Wholesale Market, uh-huh. you'll still see a couple of them being used by foreign workers to move things around. Interesting. Mm. Okay. Anyway, back to the United Santa Cruz. That was a very long segue, but yes. it's essentially an urban truck. You still get all the niceties of the United Tucson's with two 10-inch screens, driver aid, Bose audio. And because it's such an urban truck, it can only hold 
272 kilograms um, in the bed, which is kind of disappointing. But at least you can tow some sort of small horse carriage at the back. Mm. Uh, most recently, yesterday or the day before yesterday, Ford revealed after their launch of the F-150, the all-electric one, the game mm-hmm. changer, they've revealed something called the Ford Maverick. And it is the F-150's littlest brother. And this is so handsome. This is so cool. I like it. Yeah, it, it's a, a beastly looking thing. Yeah. And what it is, is the same idea as the Hyundai. It's based on the new Ford Bronco, of which, of course, we don't get. About the same size as the Tucson. Uh, you get the same powertrains, which Ford emphasizes it's a proper hybrid. If you get the hybrid, you can't get four-wheel drive. So if you want the four-wheel drive version to go bush bashing or, or whatever, you have to buy the full petrol or diesel version. You know, overall, I think somebody mentioned that usually when you make an F-150 or a smaller version of an F-150, it can look kind of cute. Mm. And this is beefy, as mentioned. Yeah. And it lives up, I guess, to the built for tough slogan that mm. is really stamped on the inner dashboard. So when you open the door, you get a little slogan logo, built for tough. Um, the most interesting thing is that it will apparently start from 21000 US dollars, which if you bring it here is more or less a hundred thousand dollar truck a hundred thousand ringgit truck right daniel exactly but you know the thing is if you look at the u.s pricing okay take for example the lower spec bronco is about twenty six thousand u.s and then a ford focus in u.s is about eighteen thousand so this at twenty one thousand basically Ford is telling people, hey, you know, there's a lot of families out there, small families. They just want something for the city. And then they want to do a little bit of DIY. You know, you know, everybody's starting to get into this DIY craze, like how the Australians and New Zealanders are, you know, to save money. So you can carry some barang at the back. You can do your own little garden thing. You can carry bicycles. You can carry spare parts. You can do your own little home, little mechanic workshop, you know, like what, what you want to do. Yeah. Yet you can have a nice looking truck that's hybrid. So you also save fuel. So... In the grand scheme of things, I think Ford has hit a winner here. Please, Ford, make it a global vehicle, make it right-hand drive, and let's sell it in ASEAN. 100% agreed. Yeah, mm. it would do well here. Yeah. Um, you know, on that note of the DIY thing, um, when Ford were developing this car, they put one of their Ford representatives or market researchers in the car parks of, um, I don't know, Home Depot or something like that, and they will watch people throw things into people's trucks. And on the top, around the, the top of the bed, the frame, I guess, it's all covered in plastic because they've discovered people actually just don't open the hatch. <laughs> they just throw things over the hatch and they figured if they put a piece of plastic on top of there, it would not damage the paint. So they did their market research with this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just thinking back to what my dad would have done with a, a plank of wood. He would definitely not have opened the back and just thrown it in over the top. And let yes. it hang at the side, right? <laughs> and let it hang at the side, 100%. Yeah. Yes, and, yes. You know, and that's what people used to do with those old single cab pickups in Malaysia until the ruling came in. That you cannot do this. You will injure people on the road. Uh, Which is necessary, I must say. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, from pickup trucks to something ever so slightly different. Yes, something for the expats. Yes, or, uh, uh, okay, I shouldn't say it. <laughs> no, don't say it, because we all know what you're thinking. <laughs> it's an expensive vehicle. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Ferrari SF90 Spider. So um, Ferrari launched the SF90 Stradale, which is the coupe version of this car, back in September 2019. And 
bit of background, SF stands for Scuderia Ferrari and the 90 stands for the 90th anniversary of Scuderia, Scuderia Ferrari. Mm. Uh, it was launched in September 2020 in Malaysia and it cost 1.9 million ringgit without taxes, which is steep to say the least. This new one that they've introduced is essentially the more beautiful, gorgeous, hardtop convertible iteration. And I think you guys will agree with me. It's a beautiful looking thing. And you know, the thing is, I wasn't joking because you see, Richard, you're a foreigner in Malaysia. You can buy this car tax-free and drive it around. Well, (laughs) I I could if I'd got that kind of money. Yes, it's it's just two million ringgit. It's just two million ringgit. I can maybe afford to buy that on my PlayStation, yes. you know, in in a video game somewhere. You get a nine-year loan. <laughs> <laughs> Do note that it's 2.1 million before duties, taxes, insurance, and also, most importantly, options. You never buy a Ferrari without optioning it, right? The, the big thing about this new Ferrari SF90 is that it's a mid-engine plug-in hybrid that uses Ferrari's F1 technology. So 769 horsepower from a V8, two electric motors, uh, 986 horsepower with a 25-kilometer all-electric range so that you can go through London. 25 kilometers? It's not much, is it, right? It, it wouldn't get you to the end of the street in London. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you'd look nice doing it. You know? you'd, you'd look ni- nice doing it. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just thinking in the future, London is going to be such a quiet city. Yeah. yeah. All these electric toy cars moving around. You know? ah. <laughs> Yeah. It's a beautiful looking thing. It's also way out of the majority of our league. But I, I think I think they've already sold out this batch, you know? Have they? Yes, because I, I think some of the people who provided the software for some of our... Oh. <laughs> mm. <laughs> some of our necessary uh, functioning in Malaysia during... The Shall we take times. a break? <laughs> <laughs> I think so. <laughs> On that note, we're going to rush into a break while uh, Daniel cleans his mouth out with some soap uh, onto our third and final part of the show in just a few moments. It is Honda uh, HRV Used Car Buyer's Guide. And and this is for a friend of ours, isn't it? Yes, it is. We'll be right back here on Cruise Control on BFM 89.9. Farming Frustrated Minds, BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, the business station, final part of Cruise Control this week here on BFM. My name is Rich Bradbury. As usual, I'm joined by Arif Ruse and Daniel Fernandez from DSF.my. It's the used car buyer's guide today. Um, we had a request um, by our producer, of all things, um, who wanted to look at the... Well, Daniel, you're better off to take it away. Go on. Well, actually, the producer, our producer, wanted to get the new version of this vehicle. Right. Which is uh, scheduled to come into Malaysia maybe uh, early next year, the first quarter of next year, and it's all new, completely new design after seven years. Definite bestseller. It's going to go like hotcakes. But anyway, today we are looking at the first generation the Honda HRV crossover. Dun, dun, dun. And I got to say this this was an amazing vehicle. Why I use the word amazing? Not because it dropped it gorgeous, not because it dropped it efficient, not it because it dropped it whatever, but because when I first saw it in Japan eight years ago at the Tokyo Motor Show, 
I wasn't taken by it. I looked at it and said, mm, okay, it's a Honda Civic platform, 1.8 engine. They've got mm. a hybrid. They've got a petrol version. Uh, it's a little bit tall. It's slightly bigger than a Jazz. It's slightly longer than a Jazz. Uh, I don't see many Malaysians buying it. And when we came back to Malaysia, and I was talking to the Honda product planning people in Malaysia, they said, so what do you think? And I said, ah, well, you, you, you might do a few thousand units, you know, you know, just to tickle the market and all that. I was so wrong. <laughs> it was amazing how wrong I was because one year later, when they launched the HRV in Malaysia, it sold beyond belief. Today, there are more than 100,000 units running around. What? 100,000 units. That's a lot. That is a lot. It's the best-selling Honda, I think, ever that, you know, that was coming out of a first generation. I mean, a brand new model, brand new vehicle type, you know, and it just blew the whole competition away. And the HRV is what started all the other manufacturers to say, hey, we can sell crossovers. Bring, 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 bring. You know what I mean? Uh? <laughs> yeah. And the simple thing is, this is just, if you park a HRV next to a Honda Jazz, it's slightly taller, slightly longer, slightly wider. Yet, at 20,000 ringgit more, people line up to buy it. You know what I mean? Uh? Mm-hmm. Was it at least bigger than the Jazz in the inside? It is, in every way, a little bit bigger than the Jazz. Because it's sitting on the Civic platform. But the thing is, it, it just blew everybody's mind away. You know, like the rear doors are hidden into the, the rear pillar, you know? Yeah. It's yeah. got that funky center console. And it's just, you know, it's just a HRV. Now, let me correct myself and just remind you all something. HRV is not an all-new name. There mm. was a HRV many years ago. It was, it was very square, wasn't it? Very square, very boxy. It actually looked like the Honda Crossroad. Mm. Now, I think maybe... 10 or 15 units entered Malaysia. It was fully imported. They had a two-door and a four-door. Okay. It never sold very well because it was fully imported. You still see some running around. I happen to know someone who actually still owns his four-door HRV, which he will never sell. I have seen these, yes. Ah, because it's ultra-reliable. Actually, they were quite popular in the UK, Richard. Yeah, I've definitely seen one here as well, though. Yes. Handful. Just a single yeah, handful. yeah. So we looked at the HRV because our producer wanted the new one. I said, hey, you know, times are not so good. You're not going to get that big pay rise, I think, you know. So, <laughs> so maybe you should look at a used one. And why a used one? With almost 100,000 units sold in Malaysia, there are so many for sale. So when I went on the classifieds and I started looking, there are just pages and pages of this car used because... They're already now past five to six years. So a lot of people, mm. they don't want to keep a car after five years. Yeah, The car can be in perfect condition. That's where people like us benefit, people that don't have so much money. You know, mm. we looked at a 2015 Honda HRV, which is the first ever model to come in. Now, the prices are sitting around 60, 58, 62,000. But then we looked further and then we noticed that the 2016 model, which had a... Uh, I wouldn't say a facelift, but they just added a little bit more equipment in it. They call it the Enhanced HRV. Now, that one is only going for about 64, 65, 66. And then if you go a little bit further down the food chain to the 2017 model, it gets a little bit more expensive, which is about 70 or 1,000. So my advice is to look at the 2017 version. Because why? 
It's only about 10,000 to 12,000 ringgit more. You get two additional years. But the biggest benefit is it's still within the warranty timeline. Mm. That is so true. You can run about in it, right? Yes. So if it's about maybe another six months to the warranty end or eight months or even five months, you can still go in quickly to make sure all the recalls have been done. You know, you know the HRV had a, a number of recalls over his lifetime. So, you know, make sure everything is done. Go back to the service center. Make sure everything is, is you know, put right before you, 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 you end your warranty as such, you know? Mm. So back to the HRV. So why are we recommending this vehicle? The strange thing is, when was the last time you saw this model HRV modified or abused? Yeah, never. You don't see big wheels on it. Mm. You don't see fancy body kits. You don't see it lowered. You don't see it wrapped with fancy paintwork. Mm. You know, generally, it's driven by single women, you know, newly married couples, maybe a couple with just one kid. You see it driven by retired people, you know, the modern yuppie, you know, you know mm. trying, to, trying to look cool. Because why? It's a crossover. Crossovers are the in thing right now. For the last six, seven years, whether you're driving a $100,000 crossover or a $500,000 crossover, people want to say, hey, I've got a crossover. You know, It's no longer cool to say you got an SUV. You, you get what I mean? Mm. It's like when trainers started becoming really, really cool, right? If you wore trainers, you know, with your jeans and everything. Ah, I see what you mean. You were, su- you were suddenly, you know, part of a hip crowd or something like that. Whereas if you wore loafers or slippers somewhere, you probably weren't in with the times. Correct. correct, correct, correct. And you see, if you look at if you look at it now, the definition of the word crossover, very, very confusing. Very confusing. Because why? You have crossovers that are four-wheel drive, like the Subaru XV. Hmm. And then is that an SUV or a crossover? But it's about the same size. The only difference is it's got four-wheel drive. Then yeah. you got the Mazda CX3, which is also a crossover. It's about the size of the HRV, maybe slightly lower, but it doesn't have four-wheel drive. Then you got the CHR from Toyota, mm. which is super funky, futuristic, and everything else. Same thing, no four-wheel drive. You know? There is that one brand that we haven't talked about though. Tell us. The Proton. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's the I mean, they've been here for about two, one and a half years, right? The new Proton X50. The X50 is one year old, yeah, just just above one year old, yes. And and the mid level X50 is what eighty, no, ninety thousand. Ninety thousand ringgit, and it goes up to one hundred and nine. So why not get one of those instead of a used HRV? Okay, first of all, you got to wait eight months. Oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> Number two, yes, the Proton is. Well equipped, it's got loads of features. It's you know, it's rocking the segment, it's just putting everybody else in turmoil because you know it's not easy to sell a crossover right now in that price range because Proton has got the X50. But there are already people starting to come back and complain online about spare parts after sales. You know, I mean when when you have a surge in sales, you you, you don't predict your after sales and your spare parts well, you're gonna have this problem. Yeah, and mm. right now, if you go and order uh, X50, you got to wait eight months. Now, if you want a car right now and you don't want to wait eight months, and you're looking at a HRV and saying, "Hey, it's it's driven by people who don't abuse it. It's got a good track record. It still looks very fresh on the road, and you know, it's a Honda. That that, that Honda badge is a little bit of a premium brand, you know. Mm. Yeah. So this is the good thing about the HRV. The next thing is when you look at all the competition. Okay, like I said, just now the CHR the Mazda CX-3, 
and even the Subaru, actually, I'm going to put it all together. They're all sitting around the same price at this age group, okay? Mm. But because the HRV sold so many units, you have so many to choose from. So you can take your time and find a one owner, VVIP, low mileage, 100% accident free. Only That's driven on weekends. Only driven on weekends, weekdays, and weeknights. Mm. Uh, king of car condition, no accident, in, out, out, in, out, no people vomit in the car, no people bleed in the car. You know, all, all the, the list is, all, everything is thick. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then you can check the service record because there's a Honda dealer in every country, in every state in this country, you know? So you just have to give the plate number. You can check the service record, check and see whether they did all the recalls properly, check and see if the car has been well-maintained, they've gone back to the service center for everything. And then you look at the price. That's the next best thing. Because why? You go to a finance company, they'll be happy to finance this car. Because why? Resale value is good. It's always in demand, despite having so many units for sale. And generally, the owners are all king of car condition, take care of the car one. <laughs> so what would be your, your final piece of advice to uh, Ali then? Um, you know, if he's on the fence between buying a new one or a secondhand one. Okay. If he gives that big race that he thinks he's going to get, of course, go and get a brand new car. There's nothing like the new car smell, Richard. You know? Mm. It's like mm. getting a new pair of shoes. The first time you use it, like, oh, you're so nice. After one week, <laughs> I oh, what's the smell? Ah? But, you know, <laughs> the new car smell is absolutely wonderful. You know? All right, all right. And then, right. you know, the neighbors look and say, who? That guy in VFM, he's moved up the ladder. You know, he's got a new Honda HRV. But then, if you don't get that big race, that's it. You can get yourself a good second-hand HRV for about seventy thousand, slightly less than five years old, and everything looks wonderful still. Okay, should we wrap up on those notes? Um, I think we should. Okay, just before we wrap up, though, I want to give a, a little bit of a shout out actually to uh, one of our listeners, a guy called Oscar, right. who um, messaged me in the week, and he said um, it's the best podcast ever, and he always listens whenever a new episode comes out. Oh, thanks. He especially likes it a lot when we do a uh, budget used car reviews, like the Audi and the BMW SUVs used mm-hmm. car selections. Can you do more on that topic, please? Thank you very much for that, Oscar. For sure. We will. We will definitely, yes. All right. On that note, uh, let's uh, wrap up the show for today, of course. If you missed any part of the show, don't forget you can download the podcast wherever you normally listen to it from. We recommend you use the BFM app. It's available in the Apple App Store or Google Play. On behalf of myself, Daniel Fernandez from DSF.my and Arif Ruse, this has been Cruise Control, the car show here on BFM 89.9. for listening to this podcast to find more great interviews go to bfm.my or find us on itunes bfm 89.9 the business station